Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm chilling, just getting back, getting nursed back to health. But uh, other than that, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, what, what happened, man? What happened? Ah, uh, dude, I caught a case of pneumonia. It was crazy. Um, I drank a bad supply of water. Um, that, the doctor found it, and uh, I ended up having pneumonia. I couldn't breathe last week, and I was like having a strong struggle breathing. I went to the doctors. Uh, I went to the doctor. They sent me to the ER. The ER sent me to the big hospital, and. <laughs> Still recovering, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just had a case of pneumonia from drinking some bad water. I think I know where I got it from too. So I informed the people. So it was crazy. Bad water, like what kind? How'd you? How'd that happen? Bad water supply. Yeah, it was up in North Arlington where I think I got it. So yeah. Mm, damn! 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 Yeah. That's, that's scary stuff, dude. Pneumonia. Very scary shit. But yeah, I'm I'm I'm, be- I'm better now. I'm glad, man. I'm glad I'm recovering from like an upper respiratory thing, too. So, you know, two sick guys going to do a, a sick show, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 182 of Live, Let, Thrive, your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, Home Away, Lyft, Uber, all that share economy stuff podcast in the world. And we're coming at you from Arlington and Fort Worth, Texas. And yeah, man, I've been doing good, too. Um, uh, closing on a house that we're going to it's going to be a long term rental. You know, it's not in the in the short term rental area or, uh, you know, a place to do good short term rental. And um, it, it's funny. Also, I just we just um, I just finished setting up a Airbnb arbitrage in, in in Dallas, right? Close to downtown. And it was it was on a Friday, you know, uh, and. And it, I, I, um, I told Federico, I was like, man, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be done by four. I'll be done by four o'clock. Um, and I forgot the UT uh, Oklahoma game was was happening, right? I said, All of our plays were booked. I said, man, someone, people have been asking if we had any spots. I was like, just post this, you know, I set up the, the listing and just put up a logo of Texas versus UT. Just put that logo on there. And while I'm setting up the listing, you know, I, while I'm getting it all ready to, to take pictures and did that, I think I might have added one picture and boom, I got booked right away. <laughs> Smart move. So we got and it's been booked every night since, man, because someone grabbed it right after that. And it, it looks real nice. It's right close to downtown. So, yeah, man, it's a uh, ready fire aim. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, so we're the Airbnb is going good. Long term uh, real estate's going good. And we're going to hop into 180, episode 182 with a special guest. What we got. George Salas is joining us. What's up, George? What's up, fellas? Oh man, I'm loving this already. <laughs> loving it. Let me let me read you in, man. Let me read you in. Uh, you did a little write-up, a lot, big write-up. Let me see. George is a man of massive action. His leap of faith from a 10-plus year branding and marketing journey into a competitive Houston real estate. Uh, market space took place in early 2018 with such a relatively short period. Uh, George and his team successfully executed 50 plus real estate transactions that included fix and flips, wholesale deals, owner finance, and subject to wraps. So simultaneously, he used his hybrid investment strategy to acquire, design, and launch what is now a 50 plus. Uh, unit short-term rental property portfolio that generates $175,000 plus per month in rental income. He understands how quickly to re- to create cash flow in real estate. His mission is to build an entire empire through empowering real estate investors and Airbnb hosts to create even more cash flow through as many diversified real estate, short-term rentals, and business strategies. How He now teaches these unique strategies in a step-by-step blueprint exclusively to those who choose to jumpstart their transition to the next level welcome george let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it man we're done with the show we'll see you later <laughs> good night so what's up george tell us your story yourself man how'd you get started man uh I'm, I'm doing fantastic right now fellas i just got back from traveling and uh i've been a you know vrma i don't know if you guys were there i heard about uh, it yeah, VRMA was was pretty good. Uh, so there's maybe a thousand people or so, but uh, yeah, you've just been at several several events over the last last month or so. Uh, but yeah, just to break it down a little bit for you, fellas, uh, actually been looking forward to hanging out with y'all for a while. So thanks for having me. 
I appreciate that. Um, so I'll break it down in two minutes. My story started when I was six, bro. I was born in Peru, small little town. And uh, I, I am from this little town called Tarapoto, right? And uh, I actually, uh, I lived in Lima, the capital. Boom, my parents were getting a divorce all of a sudden. And I had to move back to where I was born, right? I moved here to Houston, you know, uh, that's where I'm at right now in, uh, in 2000, in 2000, right? And, um, and then I, you know, from there till um, uh, about 2000. 15-ish, you know, obviously I went through the transition and, uh, you know, at that time um, I started in the nightlife, right? Now, actually, not 2015, 2007, I'm sorry, uh, started in the nightlife. So I was actually an event marketer for quite a bit, right? Now I promoted nightclubs. Um, I opened up a nightclub myself in, which is right around 2015, which is, was 10 years into my journey, you know, in the, uh, in the hospitality industry. So I've been in the hospitality for quite a bit, you know, uh, just take care of people, meeting people and all over the last, uh, I guess, 20 years, you know, 15 years or so. But when I opened my nightclub in 2017, um, I was looking just like all of us, right? I was looking for that, that, that success of owning my own business, right? And I finally did, but I did it without knowing the, 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 the proper business strategies and truly taking care of myself in protecting myself. So I went into a deal with, with a different partner, didn't know much about them. Uh, it, it didn't really protect myself like I should have. So I lost everything, mm. everything two years later. Um, and I'm, I'm literally sitting in my apartment at the time. I have nothing. Like I'm crying. I don't know what to do. Like our doors got shut down. You know, I can't feel I can't feel my freaking eyes. They're so puffy. I can't hear anything. It's just, I don't know what to do with myself. And right there, I get a phone call from my friend Brent, right? And H-Town, real estate investor. You know, um, he says, George, come to my flip and I want you to check it out. So I go to his flip. He actually texted me earlier today and, and I sit there for three hours, right? And he literally just puts this story in my head that I had a story that I couldn't become better. Right. I had a story that I wasn't good enough. I had a story that, you know, I was only always going to be a promoter and a marketer and, and I was just going to stay there and boom, he, I walked out of there with a new mind. Right. And then I, it was a breakthrough for me and there was a, a bunch of little breakthroughs and that's when I decided to do real estate. Right. And without knowing and having any experience in real estate, I made the decision to transition and about four months after, you know, and, and I would say fast forward to about um, February of 2018 is when I closed my first flip. So I had a, I, I did a flip and I made $46,000. Then a few months later, I figured out what wholesaling was and um, I picked up a few wholesale deals. I was still doing four or five flips. I borrowed a down payment. I borrowed all the money, you know, uh, private money to do my flips. And, and then I figured out what wholesaling was. So I was doing wholesale deals. And then I ran into short-term rentals that summer, three years ago. And, and this is April, so three years ago, April of 2018, so three years and a few months ago. And I was like, wait, you can rent a property, rent, so I didn't know anything about the purchase yet, right? And actually sublease it and make a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I have to do this. So I went and I bought a course, right? And I went to watch YouTube videos and then I went to work. Right. I got eight leases in in a matter of maybe two weeks. And we didn't launch it for like a month, but eight leases from one single landlord. Then I got two more leases and I took my, you know, the income from my wholesale deals and I borrowed some extra money. Right. And then I essentially executed 10 freaking leases in a matter of 30 days. That's how I, I got started into short term rentals. And then from there. You know, I went from 10 till the end of that year. I actually brought in four months, 119,000, which is pretty cool for my first four months in short term rental, right? Not bad. Six months, six figures to six months, or six months to six figures, right? And then uh, by the middle of next summer, you know, I had about 27 all apartments, and that's when I launched my first house, right? And um, at that time, I was like, okay, well, you can do three, 4,000 in a house when I was doing 2,000 to 2,500 in these apartments, right? One little bedroom you know, uh, very small studios, uh, here in downtown, downtown areas of Houston. 
right? And so I realized, you know, cool. I like departments. This is awesome. You know, I'm making cash flow, and this is what I needed, right? When we're getting started, we realized that we need cash flow, and then short-term rentals and Airbnb can bring us cash flow. So I went all in, but then COVID hit a year and a few months ago, April, March. So I'm like, wait, 35 apartments at the time in like four or five houses. So I'm sitting here with 40 properties, right? In most of the apartments and boom, business goes down and I'm like, oh shoot, now I got to get to work again. So I was doing 18 hours a day, 18 hour days to be able to keep, keep up with the, with the low demand and be able to pack these places. You know, I, I think I broke even a couple of months. I lost quite a few, quite a little bit of money in that one month of April. Right. And, and then I transitioned over the last year and a half, everything. And I dropped almost every single apartment. So I've got rid of 29 apartments and I went all in for houses, fellas, all in. So right now we're almost at 40 again, right? A little bit over 40 actually, but most of them are, over, are houses. They're median single family residential houses. And that's how we got from doing 60,000, 50,000 a month in, in, during the pan, or right before the pandemic and during all of that summer of the pandemic to now tripling that in a year. So that's my story. Mm, I love it. This dude knows this shit. <laughs> he knows this, I could tell that whole story. He knows this shit. Like he transitioned yeah. from the apartments, went to the houses because I'm going to tell y'all right now, apartments are too competitive because it's hard to provide value. If you have all these other hosts that have the same value as you, but if you have a house, man, it, it opens you up to so many doors. And I just installed my first Tesla charger this weekend just to have that extra value add. So yeah, it's so many wow. things. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's there's, so many there's places. There's no competition, right? I, I think houses are just the way to go. And that's main reason. You can add whatever you want to these houses. Backyards, add amenities in the back. You can add pools. You can just dress them up. Game rooms. You, there's no comparison. And there's way too many apartments. And the price per square foot, you get a 900-square-foot apartment or a, a 1,100, two, three-bedroom and you're paying 2000 but when you can get a house for that same price and pay rent on you know for 2000 and and then even your mortgage right because we also we also turn turn our properties and we, we don't only do arbitrage we buy and do the same and when you buy it's even less right your piti is going to be a lot less now, now a question for you on your houses do you cuz you're doing both arbitrage and buying now yes, how do you look at a house to say okay this is an arbitrage or this is a buy I mean, well, if, if, if it's, I'm looking strictly for arbitrage, then I'm looking for arbitrage, right? If I'm looking to purchase, then it's going to be through a wholesaler, right? And because we've, I've got the connections to, for those wholesalers and, and also partnering with, you know, with students and that whatnot. So we do both. Like if I'm looking for arbitrage, I go straight for arbitrage. Now, I'm not saying that if this is an arbitrage deal, I could get a lease option, and negotiate that purchase, right? So it just tells me what, you know, depending on, on I would say the long-term, sometimes I wanna test it, you know, and then get a lease option uh, or just do a lease straight. Um, but I think, I mean, I wanna buy everything, bro. <laughs> I wanna buy everything, you know? So you just do one house at a time. Now, now on your buys, you're saying you're going straight to wholesalers. So I'm, like, I'm assuming you're burning these houses? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm buying them and turn, turning around the whole thing, right? Rehabbing it. And, okay. and I mean, I'm not doing a whole lot of rehabs. I'm also grabbing sub twos, right? I've got a few sub twos, which is awesome if you can catch them for without having to rehab them with a little bit of equity, maybe 10, 15%. You can just turn them around and put them on the market and then put them on the Airbnb platform in 30 days or less, right? So I'm doing both. Love it. I love it. I know Steve's Steve's going to be all over that sub too. He's big on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to learn that myself. And it's funny because we're trying to transition out of um 
out of apartments as well to get into houses. You know, I told my partner that's what we want. That's the direction we want to go as well. And um, and 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 Micah had brought it up before in previous shows. A lot of it's like it's a logistical nightmare. You know, you you're at the you're at the mm-hmm. will of the apartment complex. You know, the gate don't work. They don't care. They'll fix it next week. The the doors something broken in there. They'll fix it when they get to it. You know, it's in and. Um, yeah, it, it, or they'll start, you know, get a new management company and change all the rules. You know, it, it, it is um, you're at the mercy of the complex. And um, so that's that's cool how you're doing that. I was just um, I guess the only the only fear as as far as changing the whole Airbnb uh, uh, business into you know, primarily houses is what we see, especially over here. What we've seen a lot in this area, Dallas, Fort Worth, is that's the first place they go to start banning Airbnb is the neighborhoods. They said they want it out of the neighborhoods. They want to know how, you know, residential neighborhoods, no Airbnb, no short, you know, short term rentals there. And so that's the that's the only fear. What do you do to protect against that? So the first thing is every time we were looking at a house, whether it's for myself or student or whatever right well we're going to research the hoa and we look for four things inside the bylaws okay 30 days 90 days those those two terms airbnb vrbo or short-term rentals right my assistant does that okay if there's none of that stuff there then we go look and actually go move forward with sending this to our attorney and we work with, uh, with the attorney that actually dealt with the Austin case, right? With the Supreme Court case that went to, you know, like the, the big one that I forgot the name of it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But we work with that attorney, but the Houston guy of, of that attorney, you know, I forgot his freaking name, the, the, the main guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I have him take a look at it and just give me a final, you know, hey, yes or no. Uh, and almost... As long as the, or those four things are not on, on the HOA bylaws, we go look for rental restrictions or any addendums that they have, right? And then we've been on that bad side too because I did this in 2019. I got my first house. And that same house that I got in 2019, you know, we got in trouble with the HOA because when COVID hit, there were a lot of parties because we weren't prepared. That's when we had to create this awesome screening process. The whole process of being able to screen your guests, you know, your cameras in the front end. We weren't sophisticated like we are now, right? So now we've got that entire, you know, process figured out, which helps you a lot more. But, you know, when it comes to the regulations of that neighborhood, you know, um, there, there are not a whole lot of problems in Houston. I know Dallas has a lot more uh, regulations, uh, but Houston-wise, we just have to worry about the HOAs, right? So, okay. and then we've got, a, we've got a nice little process that, you know, we figured out. You know, and then the attorneys tell us to go. It's always that 50-50, Stephen. Like, hey, you know, you might, this might say no, you know, but he himself, the man himself told me that, you know, when you actually look at the regulations and if they, if they change them in Texas, you cannot be retroactive. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, you know, but you can't go back and ban xyz from the restrictions plan apply it to any homeowners that or you know tenants or, or whatever you know homeowners that were that had these types of regulations you can only move forward right okay. i don't know yeah. if you guys have ever heard of that well yeah i've heard of something similar to that but here's the thing like we we have uh, properties in arlington right and they and so they went hard on the on uh, banning Airbnb to like probably like 98 percent of the city. You know, only one little spot around the stadiums could have it. Now, I was just outside of that zone and I was making, you know, great money in that in my rental house there in Airbnb. And they came with the banned Airbnb and it didn't matter, you know, because I own that house, too. A lot of people own the houses they, they were doing. There was some arbitrage. But I mean, they went at people hard with thousands of dollars of fines, like right away. They were they weren't messing around. So you could say, I mean, it's I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of it is not um, constitutional. You know what I'm saying? But but they came at us hard. And as the kangaroo court, you know, they know the judges, they know everybody. So it's we had no chance. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just right. saying, yeah, that's that's my thing. But as far as doing arbitrages, do you put something in your lease saying, hey, if 
for whatever reason the city does ban this, you you can have like 30 days or 60 days to get out of these leases? Absolutely. 60 days. We have my addendum has like nine clauses. Okay. <laughs> right. So yeah, we just to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if this happens, you can get out. If there is another pandemic, I can get out. You know, if the HOA, if the city bans SDRs, you can get out. So yes, and it helps. I mean, they already know, right? Right, right. Landlords know. Okay, and what is the landlord's incentive? Like, how do you? What, what's your sales pitch to them? What are the, what was? What are they like? Well, I'm gonna rent it for two thousand a month. I just rather have a a long term tenant in there that's not gonna make no trouble, or I can rent it to you guys. Uh, what what is your sales pitch, and how do you get them? To, how do you get to the yes? I've gotten to the yes many, many, many more times by just building the relationship and giving them my branding. Right? Hey, you know, Mister Landlord. I'm going to rate, I've rent your house for three years minimum. Let's figure out a, you know, a rental increase of X, Y, Z that's favorable for both of us. Let me throw you a little bit more. Obviously, if I know that this house is going to make good money, like I did this deal and this house brings in, you know, between 10 on to 12 on the, on the bad months. And right now it's bringing, it's, it's very, it's slow right now. So it's bringing in, you know, 10, nine, and then, in the summer, we were between 18 and 20, 22, we hit 24, right? Two, three months straight. And then that was this past summer, right? So if I know we're going to kill it, which, you know, I think you guys and then all of us have an intuition already, right? Like we know, if you know your market, you're going to know that if you have houses around the area and you go look and you do your market research and you analyze the houses that are making X, Y, Z, and you go into that market, you don't know, you, you're like, hey, is this house going to make money or not? You know, you know, and then I've got that gut feeling, right? So I made the move. I offered a little bit more, not a whole lot. And and then I put those clauses on them. But the building the relationship, building the report, throwing a little bit more rent and giving them a longer lease with a rental increase, that gets me the yeses. Mm, I like that rental increase part. That was the first time I heard that one. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, now, another thing, like let's say you're buying, right? And you're buying in a city where regulations may hit. What is your exit strategy for something like that? If regulations may hit, we're always making sure these properties are going to work long term, right? And I would say, you know, I mean, with this market, we're buying with maybe at the end of the refinance, we have 10 to 15% equity, right? Because you buy at 75 and or maybe 78, right? That's that's a good number for an investor to buy nowadays. And then you rehab this whole thing, you're gonna be at 85, depending how much your you know, private money costs. So if you're, if you're 10% equity, you're good. But city regulations, I'm not too worried about because we're in Houston and I'm, I'm sure you guys are, because obviously you're in a in different city. Arlington and Dallas, I mean, that, they're hard, a little bit harder there. I am definitely more conscious about HOA. What happens with HOA is that we know what to look for from the the beginning. So let's just say they do change their bylaws or they do catch and they do want to take us to court because anyone can take anyone to court. These HOAs want to take us to court. They can always do that. Even if it says you can do X, Y, Z, you, you know, most of them are going to say no business, you know, no commercial residential purposes only. They can take you to, you know, because they consider SDR as as a business or as commercial, right? So it could be whatever, either way. But then we have enough time to squeeze a year and a half, two years out if the house hits it, right? So, and that's why exit strategy number one, make sure rent's long-term. You know, prevention number two or prevention number one, buy with a little bit of equity at the end of, you know, end of the day, <laughs> right? As a flipper. Prevention number two, make sure that house is badass is going to make you a lot of money. Prevention number three, prolong and delay that HOA from getting you out of there as long as you can, right? So if you're making $5,000 in your pocket a month, that's 60 grand a year. I mean, you made your money back plus some. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I love how you said that about Houston, where you don't have to worry about like, hey, stuff shutting down. (laughs) But that brings me to another thing that I have about Houston. Do you think it's oversaturated? Because, like, you go to one corner in Houston, man, and it's like 
70 units in like one little small area. You go to the next mm. one, it's another 70. How, how are you? Are you seeing that? Or like, were you having to come down on your price? Or how are you fighting that? So I think it's super oversaturated when it comes to the apartments. Like crazy, bro. Because it's, we have to come down to $40, $35. It's like, holy bananas. I swear to God, I would look at apartments like, it was crazy. It's insane. But when it comes to houses, it's okay. Now, if you go niche, which is exactly what I do now. Like when we started, I got this nice houses, but they didn't have the amenities they have now, brother. They didn't. I went niche. At first, I went regular with my houses. Then I started going more niche. Then I started adding fully loaded kitchens. Then I start adding swings and I start adding X, Y, Z. And now we're niche, right? We're family oriented. We have all this stuff. It's just, we have our avatar nailed down for, for almost every single property. Right. And we create this unique selling propositions. I'm a big believer and teacher of the unique selling proposition. No matter if you just have a regular house in a regular neighborhood, you got you to gotta paint the stairs red or the wall red or put LEDs so people can take pictures and, and put them on IG or something, right? You got to make this house different than every, everything else in the neighborhood. And that's what's worked for me. You know, I'm not telling you that almost all my houses are like that, but those houses make more money and they're, you know, the ADR is way higher just because like of USP. That. I like that. I like that. Yeah, we, we're actually looking for um, muralists in Dallas right now to start making our our places pop. You know, get it, just put a uh, let them tag up a wall, make it look really mm-hmm. cool, like for the IG crowd or the whatever TikTokers, you know, and and um and scooters. And we're trying to add some scooters too. I think that would be a good touch. So yeah, nice. we, yeah. We, I guess I guess here's the thing, you know, and you have probably seen it too. You know, they they say try to figure out who your avatar is, who, who the people you want to serve at what particular house. You know, one house might be different from another house, right? But we're in a more gritty part of town. We don't want you know old old fuddy duddies going and written it because they're going to give us bad reviews. Oh, it's you know sketchy area, mm-hmm. whatever. Youngsters that are cool, you know, that that want to be close to downtown and they don't mind all you know the the area. We want those people to be renting it, you know. And so that's why we want to kind of design spots to to attract them to the to the places. You know, it just it just depends on the on the on the crowd you're trying to, to attract. What can you exactly. what can you say? What can you say on that? So I think that you got to find the crowd that pays the most money, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do when I do my market research, I'm going for that top ten percent, right? I didn't do that at first. And most hosts don't understand that just because they're getting started. I was the same way when I got started, right? So to answer, you know, your your question comment is finding your avatar, you should find it based on the area that you're in and the most profitable type of property. And and then I call it the perfect property avatar and the, the guest avatar. You match those two, and the perfect ideal scenario is the most profitable property, right? With the least, with the, 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 the lowest lease and the best type of client. So if you mix those three, and, you know, when I, when I do this for our properties, I just have to figure out, you know, like I got to make, make sure that we're putting the right property for the right area, right? And then putting the right people in there. And then with a mixture of those three, we've nailed it more than we've not nailed it. You know, um, I, I think it's just making sure that we find the, the people that pay the most money, you know? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And especially with a house, right? Yeah. You want to, you want to maximize that. Um, that being said, are you just throwing Wayfair furniture in there? Or are you going higher end to attract a higher end client? We're going higher end with the appliances. We're going higher end with the linens, all like bed linens, more pillows, color, vibrancy of the mixture of the colors. So it attracts people. And when you get there, it's like, this is really nice, mm. right? More expensive pillows compared to when I had these apartments that I put $5,000. Now a house is $25,000 all in, mm-hmm. right? 25 grand all in for my arbitrage. 
that includes, I mean, I'm just giving you a number that includes like our rent. So we are going high end, we're doing metal beds, right? And we're going higher end on just on the kitchen appliances, fully load the kitchen because, you know, people love all that really cool stuff in the kitchen. And sometimes they just bring hmm. their families there. So that particular type of staging and setup has worked better for me uh, as a host than it's worked on the regular houses, right? Going higher end and putting a ton of beds in each, in each house, more beds than you would ever think of that they could fit <laughs> in that house. One thing hey. I want to, Oh, my bad. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, you, I was going to vouch for them on the kitchen thing. That's I've what I was going to talk about. I've, I've literally let a place sit vacant two weeks until all the stainless steel came in. Once that's, <laughs> that stainless steel pops and people, people will book off stainless steel. Just go, for, man, if you can cater to families, bigger families coming in, man, it's, it's, it's a hit, but go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say too. That was like, that was cool how you mentioned the kitchen because not, and what is one thing hotels they don't have? They don't have kitchens. So not only are you providing a kitchen, but you're really hitting it hard with so many different amenities, like you said, in the kitchen. So like, not only, Hey, we got a kitchen here, but a badass kitchen, you know, and that attracts. And then, you know, they say the, the, the wife or the, the woman, I was like, that's what they notice kitchens and bathrooms, right. And, and real estate. And so they see that honey, this is where we're booking. And the dude's like, all right, here's my wallet or whatever. But, but, <laughs> but that's a great point, man. I didn't, yeah. You really, really tackle the kitchen. You get all the, you, you get, what do you get? Keurigs in there. You get, you get some cool stuff. This, I mean, electric freaking can opener, a, a super badass coffee station rice cooker the hero nine set you know sean talked got me into that (laughs) you know and then yeah he's he's the first i talked about i'm like oh this is really cool and now like mona does all of our staging now my girlfriend business partner you know and she's bougie right so before i'm cheap i'm like i need to save money (laughs) you know she's bougie she's like no babe we're gonna put this 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 and then she will go all out with the colors and the art matching the freaking sofa and then the table and the rugs all over the place. So that's how we end up spending more, but it works. It freaking works. We load up these houses and in just comparison, we have a house in the same street and one, I, I launched it, you know, in 2019 and the other one in the same street, same floor plan. The other one I launched, you know, like a few months, two months ago, we make an average a thousand to $2,000 more because we have nicer stuff here, right? We have more stuff in the kitchen, more appliances, you know, just newer, better, more comfort. People love that comfort. And when it comes to being comfortable and being niche, that those types of houses are not saturated. Apartments, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that is cool, man. That is cool. So- I'll go ahead, Steve. No, go ahead, good. One more question on the on the kitchen I had, and I, I want to know if you're trying this because I was talking to a group about trying. Have you put air fryers in there? Air fryers? Um, I don't think so, brother. But I'll have to ask her. You know, I know we put baking sheets and pots and pans, pots and pans, but no, I don't think air fryers. But I want to test know. that. I want to test it because <laughs> it's like the hot thing right now. Air fryers. Is it really? Yeah, man, like you can cook anything. You just throw it in the air fryer and it'll just cook in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh. I, hmm. Yeah, that's a whole uh, air fryer is a whole life. That's pack. a good idea, man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. I might try it. I might have to start sending them out there. Yeah, it's all about the picture, right? If you put a picture and your kitchen is loaded, mom is going to be like, let's go here. Hmm. I went, I was at an Airbnb that was super nice last week at the VRMA. Me and my business partners, you know, on the boot camp side, we we um, um, we essentially got this freaking badass Airbnb, two grand for three nights. Hmm. So I went and it was so nice, beautiful. It had LED and colors were perfect. The design was perfect. But when I went to the kitchen, it was very basic, except for the coffee station. I'm talking about the appliances, right? And um, and I was like, cool, this is really nice. It, it didn't affect me. I was just noticing, right? I was actually did a full walkthrough of the house. So I was like, cool, this is really cool. But they were missing a few things for the kitchen. So if a family was to book that house for like two weeks, 
they would be missing some stuff. But that house was so nice. It was perfect. It had a pool. It was had a little, uh, you know, pergola outside, chairs. And it, I mean, it was just a perfect house for people that are going to stay for three, four nights and pay high dollar. If mm. that's your clientele, cool, right? So sometimes we want to cater to two, three different types, but mainly to one, you know, because if you're going to have the traveling worker or the people that come in and pay high dollar for the weekend, right? That's different than if you have families. But if you equip all your, your entire house with family amenities and then you add a couple of desks for people to work with, right? And then you do, you know, add a couple of things. You have a main avatar and a main client, but then sometimes you can deviate a little bit, right? So we do that on some properties and it works. I would say, I would recommend everybody listening to go for a niche more than anything else, right? Don't try to do it. Don't try to cater to everybody. The more specific you are, the better it's going to be because there are more people that are going to pay top dollar because it's very different and unique for these properties, right? And that's how we've got our $1,000 night houses, you know, that are really 25 to 2,700 square feet. Man, I love that. I love that. So you sure. mentioned earlier on the show, uh, your your ironclad or your screening process that that really keeps away keeps out partiers. So can you describe your uh, screening process and um, all your everything you do to keep parties from happening? Absolutely, brother. So the first thing we do is we ask them like three, four really solid questions, right? And then my team goes and sees what's really their purpose there, right? We're gonna see if. You know, these guys are coming in from out of town or if they're local. Obviously, you know, what we do with locals, right? We want to ask them questions like, hey, what's the purpose of your visit? You know, we'd love to host you. You know, where are you guys coming from? You know, um, you know, how many people you're going to have, even though they put sometimes on, you know, they put two, three guests or five guests and they'll have 15 show up, right? We want to really understand the purpose. And then once we figure that out, then they go to the second phase, right? The second phase is going to be, okay, cool, no problem. We'd love to host you. Now they've passed, they've passed the step one. And then now we figured out that they are our right guests. And now we want to know, you know, how many people are uh, there. We want their ID. We want them to know that some of our house rules are X, Y, Z. You can't have this. You can't have that parties, right? So we are a little bit strict and it has turned some people off, but it has worked 99.9, okay, 99% of our reservations don't have parties anymore compared to before. Now we're asking these questions and I would say a couple of people might get uncomfortable, but we have to ask them in a nicer way so that they, you know, we, we understand if we're getting the right people in there. And now what happens when you ask all these questions and you give them these rules and then they approve, we send them these, uh, this agreement. And then the agreement is our house rules agreement. So they, Airbnb is not going to acknowledge your agreement, right? You know that. Mm -hmm. So we send them the agreement. So Airbnb is never going to acknowledge it. We send them the agreement so that a psychological place in their head, a, a, a game more of, hey, you know the rules, Mr. You know, tenant, Mr. Guest. So make sure you obey these rules or this is going to happen, right? And now that they have this agreement in their head and they know that these are the rules, now we've set rules in place. And most people, if they don't have rules, like I've had, you know, I, I, sometimes we've launched properties in the past where there was no rules, right? Or there was just a couple of house rules. And then we had to add more as we grew and as we matured. And now we see the difference. People aren't having these, these events or they're really being more cautious because when you tell somebody that you can't do something, then they're going to more, more, like, more than likely respect your wishes because you're the property owner or the host. But if you don't tell them, they're going to assume and then ask for forgiveness later. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. we get it in their head first that they, these are our rules and this is the way we, we run our business. So they see a professional image, a professional face, and they're, you know, not a hundred percent, it's not a hundred percent proof, but it's 90, 98, 99%. And you keep cameras around the perimeter. Yeah, brother. There's cameras in the front. There's a in the back, even though there is a pool, right? <laughs> <laughs> in the front, 
um, we'll do like a flood cam, the one that has the ring flood cam, the one that has two lights and just one camera in the middle, uh, and then a ring doorbell. Um, then we'll do a uh, minute alarm inside, right? That tells us the decibel levels. And then now they added, you know, the device counts. We don't have to do the party squasher anymore, right? Because they combine minute. Um, and then we're actually adding StayFi, okay? We haven't added that yet, but that's it's for obviously capture the emails and we just need to add so many properties. That's what we had to made a move, right? And then we're adding this platform. I forgot the name of it, but the little, um, the little, uh, have you heard of this? Uh, have you guys heard of the, the iPad thing that you just put in a little thing and, and, and essentially people can pay for an early checkout, late check-in, any, oh. any extra. Yeah. It's a little iPad and they never steal it. I met the owners at VRMA because, well, they said they did 300 out of 10,000 orders or something, but they don't steal it because it's simply a box. They can't just use that on an iPad, right? They can't mm -hmm. go and play with it. So it's a box and you can only pay for things. So it's not an actual iPad. It's just a device that looks like one. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I don't know the name of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was. I'm thinking about getting those too. I need about three. Yeah, I can send you guys the card. You know, um, oh, the yeah. name of. I can't remember the, the, but I got all their stuff in their bag. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool, man. Yeah, it's just like it's just, it reminds me of uh, what's it, the Red Robin's Burger Place the other day, and on the on the table now, or I think Chili's has it too. It's like it's that thing. You can yeah, play yes. games on it, or That's you can it. pay your bill on it. You can order another drink on it. I mean, it's like. They're trying to get away from you bothering the <laughs> the wait staff, I guess, you know, yeah. and same thing with that concept. Get, you know, instead of them calling us, hey, can we have a late? Can we have a late or early or whatever the heck? They just boom. They just touch it there and and they're set. I like that. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. We, you know, I, I heard of it before, but then when I went there, I really was able to test it. And I'm like, Dude, you can make extra money. You can reduce your, you know, the movement that happens, you know, with your front desk. Um, I think you can even generate other ways to revenue. Like you could order something, you know, like you, you can add additional things without having to bother the guest. Uh, let me ask you one yeah. thing also. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Um, and, and this is something that a lot of people don't bring up, but it, it is it is an issue is the is the trash accumulation at houses. How, and how do you handle that if there's only like one one trash pickup a week? Or maybe two, you know what I'm saying? And but people are still coming and going at odd days. How do you handle like a, like a bunch of trash accumulation? So we have someone in our field operations that is in charge of driving to the properties and just pulling out the cans, right? And they'll just go and they'll hit an area one day and they'll hit an area another area another day. And then when when the checkout is on the trash day. Um, then the cleaners will take it out. But when that happens, there are still some logistical issues because the cleaners might get there a little bit later, right? Mm -hmm. And let's just say it's their second stop. So um, I have looked for a freaking trash valet service. So whoever is listening here, if you live in Houston, you start <laughs> trash valet service, you're going to be rich. <laughs> I'll talk to you after the show. I'll talk to you after the show. We got oh, something. Well, in, let's do it. We got something in beta, as they say, has the smart people. Okay, <laughs> bro, I'm telling you, it is a big need in the industry in a lot of cities. You know, something is because these houses is like, oh my goodness, there's people will be, especially if you have bigger houses with big groups, three, four, five bags just over five, three, four days, right? Mm -hmm. Bottles, cans, trash, food. I mean, it could really oh, accumulate yeah. fast. And they go shopping while they're in town. Yeah, big time. And um, that's one of the. Huh? What's up? I don't tell the guests to take it out. We do, but they, I mean. Oh, they ain't they doing it. Literally, we haven't. Uh -uh, no, they're not doing it. We have a sign. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. I don't count on the guests to do anything, right? So. Um, well, I, I, I guess the issue here, an issue here. Uh, they still take some of it out. Some of them, no, yeah. not all of it. Because because some places just give you like one trash bin and they're and they're like you said either five six seven bags of trash it's gonna it's, it's gonna overflow if they try to they just gonna put up the curb get the city on your ass get tickets get the neighbors pissed off you know it's, it's I just saw this problem at when we started going to the city hall you know for the for when they were banning short term rentals here in Arlington all the people bringing in pictures of look at my neighbor this is the trash that piles every weekend or every every you know it's just piling it sits there all week until the trash man comes this is just you know that's what 
and you don't want to attract attention from your neighbors and the in the city right so that's that's a big issue so i just thought i'd run that see how you're doing it since you're doing mostly houses yeah so we've looked for trash valet services and they could get pretty pricey right so what i started doing is i started charging my own LOCs a trash fee for our team to be able to like, cause it is costly. You pay somebody, you, we hire somebody It literally, they have to drive to the houses and it's costly. Mm-hmm. Right. So in, um, yeah, just having that, you know, obviously it's a couple thousand bucks a month. And if my management company is taking care of nine LOCs and one has five leases, one owns one property, the other one owns three. Cause I haven't diversified like that. Then, 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 Interloop, which is my main company, is getting fees for that. So now it can support, you know, the fee outside of the management fee. Hmm. That's interesting. So I did, cool. a, in, my, in my agreements, I added a trash fee addendum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah, it, it is a lot of work, man. This, this whole thing's a lot of work. And it shows, it was cool about your story, man. Several times you've hit adver- adversity. And it's pushed you into like a, a different direction or you figure out a way to solve it, man. So that's um, that's what I like about about hearing that most people would quit or give up. You know what I'm saying? But it's like uh, and I was going to always like to ask people, what's your favorite uh, failure, favorite mistake? But I mean, you got a few that, that you could. I mean, that first one, you know, you lost. You didn't set everything up right. And, and you and you lost everything. So but if that didn't happen, you wouldn't have been where you are right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was an expensive, but the greatest mistake I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll talk on that a little bit. Uh, partnerships. How do you how do you set How does a great way to set up partnerships where you don't lose everything? Well, um, the best way to, to set them up is knowing. And, and setting up the best and most proper expectations. The difference between me back then and me now when setting up a partnership, when it comes to setting up one, is that now I know what I'm talking about. Now I know the structure. Now I know the legalities. And I give my partners the proper expectations. I can't do this. I can do that. Hey, that is what it's all about, right? Because I remember back then, you know, when I would set up a partnership at the nightclub, this is now short for metals, right? I didn't know what the freaking, you know, what a limited partnership agreement was or how to set up a joint venture or how to negotiate a joint venture. Right. And then I guess that comes with, you know, knowledge and experience. Right. So now I set them up. There's many ways that I set them up. Right. I will set them up in, in a cash flow partnership and either like I've got some partners that own the real estate and we, we, we partner on the cash flow through a joint venture. Um, I would set them up through where like I have some students that come in and, you know, we, we partner on the real estate and they operate it or we operate. It doesn't really matter. Right. We have a, we have some type of separate partnership agreement in addition to our operating agreement at the LLC. Right. I'm setting up a venture right now with, with these students who actually we went to high school together and they're like, George, we've been in my program for a year. And they barely got their first deal because this guy travels everywhere. He's like, I got 500 grand. I'm like, what you been waiting for, bro? <laughs> so, you know, we're finally, finally. So the other guy, it's two of them. The other guy has had his Airbnb for a long time. But now we're like, okay, cool. So we're setting up an LLC together between the two of us. And then the other guy is going to come in as, um, as, as, as properly managing the property. I'm like, company isn't going to be managing this one, right? So I'm bringing in the acquisition side. So... We're setting it up so that they know exactly what their expectations are. And I know what mine are. Mine are going to be X, Y, Z. They're going to be, you know, ABC and the other guy's going to be EFG. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. all about expectations. Nice, man. Nice. Yes, I like that. Covering all the bases. Well, cool, man. What, um, so what's, what's in your future, man? Cause you went from, from apartments to, you know, to houses now. And what's the, what's, is there another step coming up or what's going on? Oh man, we are just insanely busy with some amazing things happening, brother. Uh, we just launched uh, about two months ago a three and a half day boot camp. Okay, 
And that is a separate business with a guy out of Arizona, a great guy, you know, uh, my partner, Jerry, and he had a boot, he had an event company prior and then he got shut down. And now when we partnered up, we're doing events in person and then virtual, right? So we just added virtual for this one. Then I, I love, I love the impact part. So I've been really focusing on my coaching, right? Um, I, I like that. Um, and then with these two ventures here, we're acquiring partners on the real estate side. Okay. And when we acquire, let, um, let me explain to you a little bit better. My flow is to partner, to bring in clients through the bootcamp, right? And info products in the front end, which become coaching clients. And when they become coaching clients, a portion of them become partners. And we partner exactly like I told you. They put up the cash, we do a joint venture, we help them find the property. Right. And then, so now I only have to look for clients that are my perfect client and perfect avatar rather than going out there and looking for management clients for say, right? Mm -hmm. So we go from clients in the bootcamp, three-day event, they become coaching clients and then automatically they become client partners in the back end. And some of them want us to manage their properties as a partner. Right. So I don't have to worry so much. I think we've got a really good flow happening, right? And um, I, I, I'm in love with, I am in love with, with just building, right? I fall in love with building. And as an entrepreneur, you guys know, it's, it's fun. You have to make anything you built fun and fall in love with the journey. Really find the why of what, you, what you're doing, what you're doing, right? Because I get away from things I don't like, right? And we all have to. If, you, if it's not your craft, if you don't like it, get away from it. Right? I fell in love with this journey. I love marketing, right? I love relationship building. I love capital. Uh, it's called relational capital, huge relational capital. We have JV partners. And now we've got this ecosystem that we've just been building in the last six to nine months, 100 plus students already, mm. right? And we're making an impact, but also we're building our portfolio in the back end. You guys have a coaching program, right? No. No, <laughs> no education. No, not I mean, yet. Not yet. <laughs> you yeah. should. It's we it's should. amazing yeah. to make an impact to you know in, in the back end, fellas. It's I, I love it. You know, so now I'm having my own students build our back end, which is the real estate, right? And then obviously, you know, it's great profits. It's adding just to the back and front end is coaching and boot camps, and the back end is management, which is the properties, and then the real estate side. Right. And that's my strategy from beginning to end. Very simple. Mm. Right. So like the synergy, everything works together. I love that. Yeah. 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 And I had a dream about this. Can I share it with you? Yeah. 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 I envisioned this when I first read the book Expert Secrets. Okay. Is it called? This is Expert Secrets. You've okay. got to read it. Expert Secrets and, and look for Russell Brunson's, all of his books. But Expert Secrets gives you that, that like vision of how you can spread your voice and message and how you can build a tribe and a community of people that love you, right? And they'll work with you. They'll partner with you. They'll give you properties. You become their client. They become your clients. And, and just it all synergizes with each other. And as I was dreaming this, it was right when I started real estate, right? I broke up with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I had to move and, you know, like, and I got, I actually moved into one of my Airbnbs at the time. And I was reading this book and the, the image and vision and dream that it gave me is like, I'm going to do this one day and I'm just going to build all these steps out. And brother, I am, fellas, I, am, I, I kid you not, took me a couple of years, but you have to start with this first step of the vision. The first step was to get a bunch of properties and really learn the business like the back of your hand, right? So I learned it like the back of my hand with 35 apartments. Then I transitioned to become more profitable, right? And then now I have a lot of experience because I spent way over 10,000 hours and I perfected my craft. And that's when I said, I'm ready to do this, right? And I fast forwarded by having a vision of where I was going to be three years ago today, mm -hmm. right? And, and that book gave me that vision.
right? So, um, you know, I, uh, I would love to see you guys freaking nail it because this industry needs good people like y'all, mm. you know, teaching and making an impact. Thanks, man. man. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I definitely wrote that book down. Thank you. For that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this this is your this is your this is your job. I mean, this is your career. This is everything. You don't have a day job or anything like that. Oh no, 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 brother! I don't have any. This is everything I do, right? All day, every day. When was the last and, time you you had a job? Job. Uh, two thousand three. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, so you, you Actually, burned the ships. So You're all in. 2007 is when I got out of, uh, of having a, uh, I was a waiter. Uh-huh. Um, and that's before I got into, you know, being, uh, not an entrepreneur at that time yet. I was just a more self-employed. Right. And I would work for these bars and they would pay me to promote their, their bars and bring people. And and I got fired from this sushi restaurant here in Houston. Right. And that was the last time. Yes. Just a seven. So I haven't had a job since 2007. You got fired from a sushi restaurant. I was a waiter and a bartender. I got fired. And I said, I'm going to go promote these clubs and I'm going to go meet these people. And I went and got it. And that's how I built freaking, we did over $4 million um, just with no freaking experience in a matter of like, you know, seven, eight years in my, in my promotion company. That is so cool, man. Another adversity, another adversity that led you to, more money that's insane so I mean, okay okay how can you okay promoter getting people in the clubs yeah. uh, <laughs> millions whatever uh how do you how do you uh how did that help you kick ass in this in this real estate part i, I love that question man thank you uh, for asking i think you know when you're out there with people you understand them right you understand people just by being with them for 10 years out there i'm at I have 10,000 contacts in my phone, right? Mm-hmm. And just with knowing people and seeing them every day, four or five nights a week, it helped me develop a way more relational personality. Right? I'm able to relate with anyone. I don't, it doesn't matter if I haven't seen them in 10 years or five years or whatever. I'm able to build rapport, right? I'm super genuine, you know, like I'm real, right? So now I've seen people and I've seen all kinds of people and I was able to really see which ones were unattractive to other people. So recognize this group is not, you know, is not the way I really, like I really am. Right. So I would get away from that type of group. And then I was able to find myself through looking at the world, you know, from that, from the inner perspective of people. Okay. And, and I've built tons of relationships, which now I go back and they're my students. They're my partners, right. These relationships that I had years ago. Right. And I think that being in that type of world, you learn what it is to hustle, right? So now, no matter what, I have gone through the worst adversities, right? I lost everything. The day we opened the nightclub in 2016, you know, I think it was 15, uh, maybe at the end of 15, right? I didn't have money to buy water burger. That's how broke I was, right? I had invested everything I had and it's 410 grand and I lost every penny I had. So I learned what it is to not have any money you know, and then come back and rise from the debt, you know, so that's what this ups and downs give you. And now my resilience, my drive is like level 10, Mm. right? And nothing beats, nothing beats resilience and drive, right? And and, and it's the fire inside me, right? And, And if you don't go through those things, you sometimes the fire doesn't accumulate inside. So for, for one to be successful, the only thing that can get you far that fast, freaking far, it's that fire inside you. Have you guys ever heard of that? You've got to have the fire, you know? Yeah. You, you can see it, man. It's brimming from you. Just like you radiate that stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. You're live on the screen. George, I have, I have a club in Houston. No one's coming, man. What do I do? Is there five quick steps to get, get it full? I need this. I need this club. <laughs> what do I do? You do have a club in Houston. No, okay. I'm just saying if I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. I never built frameworks for that, which is funny because yeah. you now I go back and I'm like, man, I was the best in my industry. I, I couldn't even tell you because <laughs> I never built the frameworks for it. Right now, hey, go promote on social media. I left three and a half years ago, so there are way different ways to market you know events it's hard yeah. it's, it's a dead industry oh wow really 
Yeah, it's. I mean, people go there, but in a year, you could be gone. They come and go. It's a fickle, fickle industry. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, man. That's cool. But now you're you're into something a little more stable. You got the real estate going on, and you got all the different ways of doing it. I, I love it, and you're you're all using it together in a synergistic manner. Uh, man, you, this is a great show, Micah. You got any more questions for George? No, man, you killed it, bro, man. Thank you for coming on. I know it took us a while to get in touch, but yeah, thank you for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, where can Fellas, folks where can folks find you, man? Yeah, um, thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor, and brother, I know we uh, we haven't met in person, but definitely look forward to meeting both of you. You know, maybe at the next PRMA, right? Facts. So, yeah. I mean, I, I saw everybody we were in Clubhouse with, they were there. They yes. were all there. I was like, yo, what's up, Sean? Eric Mueller and just uh, Will Slickers and a yeah. bunch of people were there. It was pretty awesome, bro. I, I got to hang out with some awesome people. Robert. So so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got um, I've got my personal website, which is, you know, my, my main source where people can connect with me. It's uh, George salas360.com g-e-r-g-e-s-a-l-e-s 360.com and then my other website is uh 5h2f.com 5h2f.com the what number does that five. stand for uh that stands for five houses to freedom so, ah i like that <laughs> Yes, sir. That is cool, man. Yeah, we look forward to connecting and going down to Houston. We, uh, yeah, we do. Uh, Micah has rentals in Houston. I got one, and we're working on a couple more. And so, um, yeah, definitely go have some um, Turkey Leg Hut. Go hit it up. Hey, let's go. <laughs> I actually have a prom, an Airbnb two minutes from Turkey Leg Hut. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you do you promote that big time? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we put it on, there's a picture of it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Like we, you guys let me know when you come in town, we'll, we'll hop onto Turkey Leg Hut and <laughs> we can link up, do lunch or something, you know? Thanks, man. I'm always down there. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I travel to Houston quite often. So yeah, thanks. I'll hit you up. Awesome fellas. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, man. Thank All you. Right, George. Thanks. Take care. You too. Man, that was another Great episode of Live, Let, Drive. What was that, episode 182? 182. Man, that was a good episode, man. He dropped some good gems. I I loved it because it was good kind of like reaffirming what I was thinking about like apartments in the short-term rental space. And I'm like, I think it's going towards houses, man. The, the apartments are too finicky, man. They don't fix shit. And then it's like management changes. It's cutthroat. It's it's a it's a rough lick, man. It could be a unless you own the whole apartment complex and you're doing it that way. There you, know? you go, you know. And, and what they I was gonna mention too, um, on our end that there is there is a a few in Dallas that are pretty much all 100, you know, Airbnbs at the place. There's, no one lives in it. It's just Airbnbs, which is cool. I'm like, man, I should I should see about putting some vending machines in this. If it's 100 Airbnb, right? No, I mean, I don't know if who'd, who'd buy snacks if you live there. I mean, people do groceries and stuff like that. But if you're just visiting for the weekend, you don't want to go, you know, you get the munchies at <clears throat> 3 a.m. You don't want to go drive to, <laughs> to the store. Just go hit up the vending machine. I'm happy you brought that up because that's been on my mind, too, doing vending machines. Uh, vending machines, Tesla chargers, anything like that. Man, I think it's all a bonus, man. Vending machines been on my mind. I'm like. I had a vending machine out in the garage. I wonder if somebody use it. You know, just, you know, if you had a bunch of snacks, somebody might use it, especially if, like, for example, I have somebody in town for a work trip, but his wife and kids are there. I'm pretty sure the kids will go get a vending, you know, get something out of the machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just got to figure out the logistics and restocking and all that stuff. You know, that's the only thing. The restocking's easy. You could use, like, a little app, like Fiverr. Somebody get somebody off Fiverr to just go restock it. By the way, Y'all definitely, man, we got to definitely start taking advantage of DoorDash. DoorDash is powerful stuff. We've had, we've been using DoorDash for like small stuff that comes up. Man, you can get somebody to DoorDash something over or something like, hey, there's some shampoo missing or something. But you can get DoorDash to, yeah, you can get DoorDash to go DoorDash. It's pretty cheap too. I mean, let's say spend 10 bucks, but I mean, hey, you get yourself a decent review, you know? Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, cool, man. This is so many, so many ways to skin a cat really <laughs> in is, this man. industry. George Salas, he, he kicks some butt today, man. Go look him up. 
uh, his energy is infectious. It just it has me, yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, you've been talking about just going straight to houses, and and that's the that's that's the direction I'd like to go. Uh, I do worry a little bit about the regulations because they, you know, that's the first place they want Airbnbs out of is the neighborhoods, you know. But but if you if you're able to, <clears throat> like you said, switch it to a long term rental somehow, or put travel nurses in there, or do something like that, you'd be all right. You'd be all right. This is the real play, though, when you go to houses. This is why people got to understand landlording. See, this is what I'm personally doing. I'm buying houses right now, and I'll give you all a little gem from my mentor, basically what he said to do. And this is how you get your freedom. I'm buying four more houses. Matter of fact, I have it right in front of me. I'm buying four more houses. What I'm going to do with those four, so I'll then be up to seven houses. I'm going to then, let's just say, I'm going to Airbnb them as much as I can, but if they can't Airbnb, they work as long-term rentals. I'm running the numbers only as long-term rentals. I'm not even running Airbnb numbers. I'm going to pay those seven off. I'm going to pay them off rapidly. Once they're paid off, then no matter what happens, they'll always cash for me a certain amount that I want per month as a long-term rental. Mm. Now I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And then the more rentals I pick up, I can kind of leverage it out. I have more to leverage with. That's been my goal too. But yeah, my goal is hey, I'm just trying to accumulate the amount I need for my freedom, then pay them all off. Yeah, the freedom number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, so because that was my biggest thing too. And I was like, oh shit, what a regulation. And I was like, forget it. If they don't work as long term, I just don't touch them. I don't even yeah. run Airbnb numbers, short term rental numbers on them anymore. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's what I heard when I first started getting into real estate. The freedom number is just say if you had 10, 10 houses paid off, you're making a thousand bucks on each one. That's 10,000 a month. Can you live off 10,000 a month? Most people can. Yeah. That's your freedom number. You know, just figure out what it is. And then that's your goal. Everything after that is gravy. Yeah. And you never touch those houses ever again. Just let them sit. And then once you pick, you just pick up more after that. I was like, oh, damn. So he busted it down to me. And he was like, so you only need four more houses. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah. Great episode, man. It's always it's always great connecting. I'm glad you're doing better, man. And yeah, that was tough. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's um, live, let thrive. That's who we are. That's what we're trying to bring to the community, and people are people are coming around to us, man. I mean, they 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 really like our show, and I, and we appreciate that so much. Yeah, so we'll keep we'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. And once again, we are humbled by everybody and everything that y'all doing. Thank y'all for continuing to listen to us. And I got to give a big shout out to the short term rental community in general who've listened to our podcast. Shout out to Robert Duendorf. Like as soon as he found out where I was at, like I didn't tell too many people I was in the hospital. But when he found out, like he sent dinner to my house. So shout out to Rob. I'm going to get this dude on the podcast. He's a straight killer anyway. So, yeah, yeah, Rob. Yeah, he's a great yeah. dude. Shout out to him. And uh, yeah, shout out to the whole community for reaching out to me. And uh, yeah, it means a lot to my family. So thank y'all for continuing to listen. Cool, man. Live that thrive. We are out. Peace. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.